The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brand you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, it's Rebrand Podcast time. As you guys know, we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by marketers who are building them. I'm your host and founder, Scott Harkey of the Harkey Group. Joining us is Jeff Greenfield, who is the CEO and co-founder at Provalytics, which is a future-proofed marketing measurement company. As the next generation of attribution, Provalytics unifies media, including wall gardens, providing duplicated privacy complaint reporting, which includes media synergies, carryover, and separates incrementability from the baseline. All right. I love to talk about some measurement stuff too. All right. Yesterday, Jeff and I talked about a few things. Number one, we talked about this Verizon FE award-winning How Sweet the Sound campaign. We also talked a little bit about the Hottest Mom in America contest for Medicis, a big pharmaceutical company. Jeff had this insight about why American Idol was so successful. He's repackaged it twice for super successful campaigns. But today we're going to talk about how Landwatch was created from scratch. Super interesting story. And I do want to get in a little bit to some analytic conversation because I know that's Jeff's background, his company. So I want to hear a little more about that. All right, we're going to bring Jeff Greenfield back. He's the CEO co-founder at Provalytics. Brother, man, that was awesome. We did two and one yesterday. So we, we crammed two episodes into one, which I love. But I, I, tell me about uh, your company a little bit and maybe your background quickly. We normally would have done that in the first, but I wanted to dive into the campaigns because they look so much fun. But let's maybe rewind a little bit and um, how the heck did you get into analytics? We're, we're all searching for the holy grail of multi-point attribution. So I'd be curious your thoughts there. But yeah, maybe take a minute and your background and a little bit about your company. Yeah, so Provalytics is really the next generation of attribution. It's right now in today's digital world, there's been this kind of avalanche, if you will, of changes. We've had all this privacy regulation that's going on, the iOS changes that don't allow apps to track across. Uh, We've got the cookie apocalypse, which is coming up. Third-party cookies are going to be gone from Chrome. And then also on top of all this, we've got all the walled gardens. So it used to be in the earlier days of the internet, the, everything was all interconnected. You could track people across things. And now with these walled gardens, you can't. And then on top of it all, everybody uses Google Analytics. And like very soon, everybody's got to switch over to GA4. So we've got this massive kind of disruption that's happening and a measurement right now. And so I got my start in measurement back in 2008, right around the time that these campaigns that I was doing these large scale campaigns, because these campaigns, man, they, they're a lot of work, you know, to sell in a, a huge campaign to a company. It, it would take six months to a year to sell in. It would take a year, year and a half to execute. And then you're like, hey, let's go again. 
But the problem is, is that even though there's all this anecdotal evidence, obviously we weren't doing anything else. This, this did it. You know, CFOs, they like to be able to connect the dots and say, this absolutely caused this. And digital was starting to explode. And I saw that unless we had measurement that was in place, we weren't going to be able to sell this type of stuff anymore. And so I started a company called C3 Metrics, which leveraged the concept that you could connect back in 2008, 100% of the digital trails. So essentially, someone saw an ad on Facebook, we had tags on there that could register it. And every click and every impression tracked the person all the way through. And we could use machine learning to then determine what was working and what actually wasn't working. But now what's happened is we're living in a world where we actually are like back to the future because now we can't get all that information and we have to go back to how things were before digital marketing. Because before digital marketing, there's huge brands that were able to build massive companies. And the way they did it is not because they knew that this absolutely caused this, but they used a technique called marketing mix modeling that allows you to look at the correlation between impressions or GRPs that you have in the market and your sales. But it was very limited with digital because marketing mix modeling is like a project. It takes six or seven months to do. Companies would only do it once a year. And attribution, when I built out C3 Metrics, it was always on, always running, very sexy. But that type of stuff doesn't work anymore. So I created a new company, Probolytics, that uses non-user level data. It takes data out of Facebook, out of Google, and uses AI and machine learning to be able to give the same type of results that we're able to get with multi-touch attribution. Now, how I got there was kind of through these campaigns, but my career, that's, I don't know if we have a lot, enough time to go through all that, but I'll just tell you briefly, I started as a magician, was a chiropractor for a number of years, built one of the first SaaS SEO companies back in the early 2000s, product placement, brand entertainment, did these campaigns, C3 Metrics, and now Provolytics. So that's that's it in a nutshell, Scott. I love it. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that it, I feel like everything recycles, right? It's like <laughs> going into this new world. I do think brand matters more and how you're measuring how people are seeing and feeling and hearing about that in so many levels certainly takes, I would think, a lot of art and science. So it's, yeah, I definitely understand your approach and, and certainly think it's the right one. We're using a company called Alight Analytics and putting in all the data we can and having data analysts hand look at everything. I mean, some of the performance marketing agencies certainly had an advantage in terms of, or at least they did, uh, to your point, with just only a few data points with D2C brands. But when you're looking at major brands that aren't just sold online, in fact, mostly brick and mortar, hotel and, and casino and tourism kind of stuff, which you have to take even more liberties to... Um, and more art and science when you're looking at the data. Totally makes sense. But let's go back a little bit to a campaign, like this land thing started. Like, what? Tell us about that. I know you're just going to dive right into the campaign. So I'm going to grab some popcorn and listen a little bit. Tell us, tell us about this idea and how it came about. And, you know, it may still exist today. So the way it came about is one of the largest timber companies in the U.S. was uh, Plum, Plum Creek Timber. And so you can imagine when you're a timber company, You've got all of this land, you cut down a bunch of timber, you sell it, and then you reforest the land. And that land is valued at timber prices. But then in the late, early 2000s, people started seeing that land started to get more valuable for like vacation homes and things like that. So, you know, this company had had like land up way up in Maine, 
a bunch of rural areas all over all over the U.S. Now, and what was interesting is at the time there was really the MLS, which is you know think about is like Realtor.com. There was no Realtor.com for these small little tiny communities. And back in the day, the MLS, and I think it still is, it's all localized. It all gets ported into something. But there was really no place you could go to find like a vacation home or a cabin or anything like that. And I think what they realized is that they realized, hell, our land that we owned, that we're waiting for trees to grow on, if valued at the prices that are people are paying for land to build homes at in this area, our value of our company is like five or 10x more valuable. And then, so then the question became, well, how do we, how do we get that valuation? How do we convince Wall Street at that valuation? We just can't say, hey, we're selling homes or anything because there is no way for us to sell this land. There is no realtor.com for rural land. And so we said, why don't we create it? We'll come up with this concept called Landwatch and we'll take a, a feed of all the land that you have. You'll get it all evaluated and priced out. We'll put it all on there and then we'll start you'll have a whole process where you'll convince brokers in the local area who don't have any place to advertise their land to put their land on there. And so we built this out rather quickly and threw it up. And over the course of several months, it started to get more and more traffic to it because more and more brokers started using it because they had no place to advertise their land. And then before you know it, Plum Creek is is talking to Wall Street about it and uh, their valuation shot up dramatically as a result. I don't even know who controls the site still, but it's still out there. I remember talking to some members of my team a couple of years ago, and I was telling them the story. And they were like, I've used that site for years to look for like campsites and vacation sites. Oh, my God. They had no idea that I had built it back in the day. And I said, go to archive.org. You'll actually be able to see it. So they, they were pretty surprised by that, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I was just poking around. And I mean, the SEO was huge. I mean, I typed in Landwatch, obviously, and, you know, all the other loop.net and all the other competitive sites are bidding on that URL like crazy. But yeah, tons of land for sale. And I mean, built a tech company out of, out of a business need. What do you think you've learned around some of these big ideas? Has there been a common thread or has there been a few things? You mentioned how hard it is to execute and launch a major campaign. But I love campaigns that really fit a business need and, and almost out of a crisis, business-wise, turns into this creative problem-solving and it, I mean, these three examples you gave take you kind of all over the place. Um, I love how you talk about the enterprise value created. I think that's uh, a missed opportunity. But man, it's certainly hard to do um, and hard to do a lot. Is there something you've learned through this process of, of doing this? And your background was certainly unique uh, of just swinging for the fences and coming up with the ideas. I mean, maybe to some of the marketers listening to the show, sometimes it's paralyzing to think of it as an idea too big and there's a lot of people where I've been in brainstorming sessions where they immediately go to like, how the hell are we going to do this? And they start to think tactical like right away and you can kill an idea. What have you learned through the process of creating ideas like this? I think you have to, you have to think about the emotional aspects of things. That's where all these ideas come from is that you have to get, you have to kind of break down and understand who the people are that you're trying to market to and understand what they're, real needs are when you think about like Maslow's needs and stuff like that. I think that one of the things that I see today in, in most campaigns is everyone today is trying to 
act the same way that TikTok does. When I saw a lot, of, I was very disappointed with a lot of the Super Bowl ads this past year because they were very fast moving and and they're really just trying to trigger the brain and make you want more. Whereas it's been proven that when you start to deal with things on an emotional level and start to really impact people, because the job of advertising and, and the job of these campaigns is not necessarily to, to move the needle immediately. The job is to fill the funnel and build awareness. And then your other tactics that are out there, such as your digital, your website, your out of home, that stuff is going to serve as reminders. I mean, we have more tools now than we ever had in terms of once someone is aware to move them down the funnel. But these are all ideas that are all at the top of the funnel to build excitement and to make people feel good about the brand. And there's been a lot of research about what's happened with branding since like 2006. One of the best books that's out there that probably the best marketing book that I've ever read, and I recommend it to everyone, is a book called Lemon, How the Advertising Brain Turned Sour by Orlando Wood. It's from the UK. You can buy it on Amazon. It's like 60 bucks. And it's great. It's a... I have my copy right here. I don't go anywhere without this book. It's it's full color and it's it's amazing. Now, what's great about this book, it's only five chapters. And as you read through it, you'll see how the brain has shifted, how our thinking has shifted through the ages and how advertising has reacted. But one of the most important things is at the beginning of the book, it talks about in 2006, a remarkable thing happened with brands. Now, you have to go back to the crash, the internet crash in 2000, where all these dot-coms just, you know, the bottom fell out. And so in 2003, newspapers and radio publishers, they were all saying, can you believe these internet people? They were saying we were going to go out of business. That's just crazy. And then, but what ended up happening is the internet started to grow. And by 2006, boards of directors were asking CEOs and CMOs, what's your worldwide web strategy. And so what happened is, is that that got shoved down to marketers. They didn't have performance marketing. They had nothing. So what they did is they put a little test budget over to see what would happen. And the most remarkable thing is they got back this report that showed how many clicks they got. And they were like, this is the first time that I actually spent money and I can actually see what I got. So they started shoving off more money from brand over to this lower funnel. And in the book, they talk about this concept at the bottom of the funnel. They call it short-termism. And so what happens, so what ends up happening to a brand when you take money where you're used to building awareness and you put it down to the lower part of the funnel? Well, your funnel is much shorter and smaller. Your reach is much less. And as a result, advertising has to work twice as hard, sometimes three times as hard. And right now, we even have more short-termism. All of a sudden, like in the last two years, this concept of retail media has been built up where brands can now advertise on Walmart. If you're Irish Spring, if someone is adding a competitor's soap to their shopping cart, you can conquest them right there. And so as a result, more brands are spending less and less on branding, more on performance marketing. And what ends up happening is advertising effectiveness goes down. But luckily, there's stories like Airbnb, who stopped all their performance marketing during the pandemic. And what they did is they did the smart move. They let everyone know. They ran ads that said, hey, we're here for you. We're here with you. And that built an emotional connection with people. 
And now their brand has really taken off and they don't do any performance marketing anymore. Everything with them is branding. And you're going to start to see, I keep saying that branding is the new growth lane <laughs> because to a whole generation of marketers have never done branding. It's like they're trying to figure out how do you do this and how do you prove it works? And that's what measurement for. Measurement is able to demonstrate that what you're doing actually does fill the funnel and actually does lead to sales. So we're living in a world where things are more difficult than they used to be before. We have so many more resources, but we can now actually demonstrate the value of branding, which is absolutely incredible. Brand is the new growth. I couldn't be more aligned with you. We've even had other major CMOs and look, performance marketing is important. It's not going away, but I agree that there's so much more to be gained from a brand standpoint. It's certainly going to be more work to measure and it won't be perfect. And it is the, it is the growth channel for this business. So I, I love your insights into this business. This was really helpful and you know, validating on so many levels for me because it's something I'm pretty passionate about. But having these case studies, for back of a letter word, I hate the term case study, but it just proves the point. When you really truly emotionally connect with somebody as a brand acting as a, acting with human characteristics, you, you need to be emotional. And the performance marketing, there is certainly a place for it. But I would argue the percentage of spend to your Airbnb point should be more for brand. But yeah, the CFOs of the world don't love that, which is why I think you're seeing more marketing teams have financial analysis people on their team to really show different models of success from a growth standpoint. But it's hard. This was an unbelievable conversation. Of course, we're way, way, way over, but this was great. And they can find you on your website. Do you want to shout out maybe your website? And we'll, we'll probably have to end it there. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in the measurement piece, check us out at provalytics.com. I'm sure you'll have it in the show notes, Scott. And then, you know, I'm always looking to talk to other marketers, other entrepreneurs. You can also go to my website, jeffgreenfield.com as well, too. You're awesome. Jeff Greenfield, thanks for joining us. And that's what the Rebrand Podcast is all about, really diving into brands. So big thanks to Jeff Greenfield, CEO, co-founder of Provalytics for joining us. We're going to wrap it up there. Again, we'll have a LinkedIn profile in our show notes for Jeff. So you can reach out to him and uh, let's connect as a community. Just one more note I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes, obviously, we're going to have it on our website, rebrandpod.com. Please subscribe. We're building this online community of marketers. And we're trying to get better every day. That's what it's all about. You can find me on social media. Um, it's just at Scott Harkey, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all the good stuff, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Insta is probably the best. And also, you can subscribe and you get the Rebrand Podcast right in your feed, whether it's Spotify or Apple. It's right there. So if this is one you love and you're a marketer and you're, you're getting better at your game every day, this is the perfect community for you. So please subscribe. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.